Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MYBETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. In the south it's always college football season, and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Everything that man just said is true. It is a Wednesday. It is the Chuck Oliver Show. We're talking college football because that's kind of what we do. Coming up in 10, good buddy of mine, David Murray. He has been covering Mississippi State since, uh, well, he says, just say decades. So he's been covering Mississippi State for a few decades. Then we got Russ Mitchell, bottom of the hour, perspective from collegefootballnews.com, Football Writers Association of America, Heisman Voter, all that stuff. It's every Wednesday during the season with Russ. That's what we do, and so that's what we'll be doing. Right now, I'm going to get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. Headline, we got Maction. That's from last night, and folks, that's where I ranked the initial playoff release, behind Maction, because you did have an opportunity to see a lot of points scored last night, three games in the MAC, two tonight if you are. Honestly, you got to be either a graduate or a gambler, uh, but you got two games on the slate tonight. There you go. Um, got Western Michigan hosting the Central, and you got Kent State and Northern Illinois. There you go. Uh, initial playoff rankings out. UGA, Bama, Michigan State, Oregon are the top four. I don't believe any of those teams other than Georgia will make the playoffs. And that's not unusual when you look at the initial playoff rankings. Hey, how many of the, the first release will make? Do you know what the uh, what the track record is, though, for a specific team in the initial rankings? Do you know how often the number one team in the initial rankings has actually made the playoffs one time, Alabama last year. It's the only time it has happened. This year, I think it happens, and they're the only team in the current top four, the first top four that make it. Uh, there's a lot of schedule ahead for some teams. There is, again, just the setup of the entire system uh, against Cincinnati. So there you go. Headline, Jerry Kill, interim for Gary Patterson. In Fort Worth, TCU is named Jerry Kill, the interim head coach for Gary Patterson. Uh, TCU still has four games left. Gary Patterson, that's just a strange thing, man. 
He is by far the most successful coach in program history. And they're like, yeah, middle of the season, out. Do we know why, folks, do we all know? Like, this is an extreme case. Do we know why TCU made this firing? Folks, this is going to spread. It's the early signing period. And it's the now overwhelming sack of hammers you drop on the new coach and his staff to build a to build a recruiting class in like 15 minutes that's why ad's have started firing coaches so much earlier so gary gary patterson isn't he supposed to be immune from that a little bit arm's length nah you're out why well we got to have the new coach we got to start talking about recruiting okay georgia southern headline georgia southern names helton head coach be Clay Held from USC. He's now head coach in Statesboro. That is um, something to ponder. I, I, I said when he got hired at USC, and again, I say I, I used to kind of know Clay Held, and I don't know him anymore. I haven't talked to him in a decade. Um, and the only time I ever talked to him in professional setting when he was at Memphis. But everybody seemed to have the same thought about Helton as I did. What a great guy. So happy for him. Boy, he's in over his head. That USC thing, it appeared to be a bit much. It was. He's now in Statesboro, per reports. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. He may be an OC. He may be a guy. Give him a play sheet and just let him be a mad scientist. I don't know about running the program. Um, there is a certain personality element, and you got to have alpha. you got to have coldness. you got to have uh, a little bit go for the jugular. And that is just that's just the truth. And so Tyson uh, Clay Helton, excuse me, uh, George Southern, new head coach. Uh, there's a moving company that signed 60 San Diego State uh, Aztecs to name image likeness deals. And uh, consider yourself up to date. Close the music, David. Uh, there was a story you may have seen: 60 scholarship football players at San Diego State same signed a name image likeness deal with I think it's what is it, the the College Hunk moving company, College Hunks hauling junk a franchise-based moving company. Uh, and folks, I, I've seen commentary, there's no way they'll make that money back. Well, first of all, you don't know that. All right. Secondly, you don't know how much they're paid. Thirdly, you don't know if a return on investment is even the goal. The reason that I, I'm bringing this up specifically is because, for instance, when the Miami guy, the booster, signed all the Miami players to his gym's uh, name, image, likeness deals, it was Miami. We were like, all right, well, they have a booster like that. And we immediately went to the, well, he's just supporting the program. Folks, San Diego State has a booster like that, or two, or five. They just don't have as many as Miami. And Miami doesn't have as many as Alabama. And Alabama may not have as many as Notre Dame. But everybody has some. When you go to the Duke game this Saturday or next Saturday, honestly, I don't know the next time Duke has a home game. There are Duke fans, boosters, alum, People who buy tickets and mail in checks every year. They are as much about Blue Devil football as anyone in Tuscaloosa is. There just aren't as many of them. So, yes, there is a San Diego State booster somewhere. It's like, by golly, maybe it'll help business, maybe it won't. But I'm getting those kids, you know, on the pad. And so everybody has those, including San Diego State. So good for those 60 Aztec players. All right, we're going to break, come back, talk with David Murray next. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Mississippi State ran the football. Are we aware of that?
remember that? Not like the uh, like the forward handoffs, because we've talked about this concept before. The air raid, if you go all the way back to it, and this is Leach, whether it's Valdosta State or Lexington or wherever, do you know what the air raid actually it's It's triple option football with passing. That's kind of what it is. It's option football, but downfield. And not very far downfield. Um, doesn't have to be, but um, that's sort of the approach, and it can take the place of a lot of the rushing attempts. Not always. I want to welcome on now a guy who does a great job covering Mississippi State and has done it for a long time for 24-7 sports. It is David Murray. Brother, how are you today? You have to keep rubbing it in that it was a long time I've been covering this team. Oh, I'm yeah, jealous. I, 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 was, I, I actually was covering this program, or actually, I was a sports information director with the program back in the true wishbone days when Emory Blard was coaching here, the inventor of the wishbone. So uh, myself and survivors of that era are better equipped than most to recognize in the true, pure, original air raid. Yes, this is basically a throwing version of the wishbone. And it worked against Kentucky. Um, and, and actually, my sidebar in the story was about State running the ball more. Well, and we talked to Coach Leach about it. Let's not overstate it. Now, Kentucky, because they were obsessed with the coverage downfield, gave some opportunities to run the ball. But most of that was the offensive line. I'm gonna, uh, State's offensive line, we've rightly given them some issues this year and uh, headaches for what they've done, pre-snap penalties. There were a few of those. that it turns out that Kentucky was mimicking the snap count, maybe something that Dan Mullen would mm-hmm. also like to talk about. But, um, you know, if the, if the refs let you do it, keep doing it and make the other team adjust. State adjusted. The offensive line took care of business against a physical Kentucky team. Team. That's the most impressive aspect to me. David, you there? All right, we'll get David back on there. He just hit a, a acid rain, sunspot, something. We'll get him right back. Uh, but what we were talking about is that, and it, it was an interesting contradiction, or not contradiction, but uh, an interesting surprise because when you see all oh, that many rushing attempts, you're thinking, all right, well, they're going to feature the ground game. And I guess they certainly did as far as number of attempts. But the surprising part was how not even just effective because there were still enough passes to go around. And when you look at the game that Will Rogers put up, I mean, you're talking about now truly, truly a record-setting quarterback. Uh, we got David back there. David, uh, I was saying that as, as we were getting you back on that, you know, you see that number of rushing attempts and you think, well, it's a completely different uh, approach offensively. But in the very same game, you see the quarterback, Will Rogers, set an all-time conference mark for passing efficiency. Right, and that's because so many of those throws were short throws by intent this time. Those were not just hot routes. No. Those were intentional throws to get it out to uh, Dylan Johnson, Jaquavius Marks, and to some underneath receivers. But let's not underplay the downfield strikes. That touchdown pass he threw to Rara Thomas, what a great name for a receiver. I mean, you could not lay it in prettier in the end zone. That was his best balanced. And not by how many plays were called. I mean, remember, Will Rogers has the right to defer to a run play. He can make those calls. A lot of those were not sideline selections by the coaches. That was Rogers taking advantage of what Kentucky did. And that leads to hope for this weekend because you remember last year, that performance against Arkansas was such a slap in the face coming off the LSU win. Arkansas dropped eight, rushed three. State's offensive line was totally discombobulated. Colin Hill got injured early. State just was totally rattled. I don't think Arkansas can afford to do that this year because Kentucky and other teams have tried similar approaches. Uh, so did Vanderbilt, so did Texas A&M, and it's not working. State's offensive line, while not great, 
is getting better, and they're making plays. Will Rogers is so much better now at selecting because he's still just a season and a half in his career. And by the way, he's already breaking records set in four seasons by some guy named Prescott you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. That shows you what's happening. And let's give credit, too, to the dog defense. I mean, Kentucky is a solid football team. Not great, but they're very good. They know what they do. Maybe not a good road team, but the defense just took them totally out of their offense. And that's another reason why State's feeling more optimistic, playing in some ways a kind of similar Arkansas team this week. The difference being Arkansas has the run element at quarterback that you have to be concerned about. All right, let's talk defense. Um, again, a little bit of a drill down where Mississippi State is right now since we're talking about defending, you know, Traylon Burks and Smith and, and, and Jefferson and all of them. Um, against Vanderbilt, I think this is absurd. I think the total was 42 offensive plays for Vanderbilt, and Kentucky didn't top 50 offensive snaps either. Now, I know that the, the, the opponent can kind of play into that themselves like Kentucky may sometimes. Right. You hold consecutive conference opponents to fewer than 50 offensive snaps? Brother, you ain't losing. You're just not. I mentioned that to Coach Leach in his postgame, too, that how this state – and part of it, you know, Leach is not a big believer in time of possession. That's a stat he ignores. Yet, look, it's ridiculous what state's yeah. doing, holding the ball so much longer with this control passing game. Another thing, too, is when the receivers are making plays, they're not getting knocked out of bounds very often. Yeah. The clock is not stopping. This, as you say, is really an aerial wishbone in so many ways. It makes the clock go, keeps time of possession going. Uh, yes, it's not the uh, flashy, quick strike offense, and that's something State has to be concerned about going down the stretch, obviously. But against an Arkansas team that, um, you know, they've had an open day to recover some of their confidence, but, you know, they took three tough losses in a row, and maybe uh, they're starting to wonder about what's going on there. I think State has an excellent chance to go up there. The good news is with Tennessee State on the schedule, State has pretty well secured bowl eligibility, so that weight is off their shoulder at this point. Now it's what bowl can you qualify for? And, boy, when last night's playoff rankings came out, I was thinking State would be somewhere in the 20 to 22 range uh, based on the wins they had. Believe me, I was surprised anybody at number 17. And with wins over A&M, Kentucky, and North Carolina State all in the top 25. So now the Bulldogs are in a position really to play for a better bowl berth if they can take care of business at a tough place. Now, State's won at Arkansas before, but it's never come easy against some bad Arkansas teams. Now this is an improved Arkansas bunch that knows how they won last year. I just don't think Arkansas can do what they did last year, which is rush three and drop eight. Because now with that run element, which you began by mentioning, they've got to respect that more. And with Will Rogers making better reads, better recognitions, the offensive line blocking better, and a much, much better receiver core able to mix and match across the field, I think they have a chance to really put some pressure on the Arkansas defense. Last thing, David, I want to talk recruiting. And you and I don't drill down on that. We both have enough colleagues that own like four or five cell phones that do recruiting <laughs> that, that, that we, can, we have plenty of places to go for info. But just give us a uh, sort of a bird's eye. Enough about Hugh Freeze. So. Uh, exactly. Um, that, um, enough about the recruiting with Mike Leach and the staff, how, what, what that seems like it's building up towards the early period because that's only about six weeks from now. Well, it, it, yeah, it is. You can tell by how many coaches are getting fired that signing yeah. day is getting closer Absolutely. at this point. But, uh, yeah, recruiting is taking an upward tick there. Some guys were impressed. Uh, and here's the thing, too. It's, it, there's so many guys they signed that have barely played this year. Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek have not taken a snap this year at quarterback, and yet you're recruiting another high-flying quarterback out there. Uh, you, what State really needs to do right now is 
start building up some depth at a few of the positions, but they've also, and you and I can talk about this a lot later, the portal. State oh, yeah. needs to go after yeah. a cornerback, a safety, and really, really needs an offensive tackle or two in the portal. And as you and I both, I, I think what people are learning most is study the game. The hardest position in modern football to recruit is offensive line by far, and especially the tackle positions out there, much more so than quarterback, which is crazy to think of, but it's true. If there are good tackles out there, those are going to be the prizes in the portal this season, even more so than quarterbacks. Mississippi State needs to get at least one and possibly two. That's where the real recruiting is going to come, Chuck, is what State does out there because you're not looking for a lot of instant help uh, out of the high school ranks next year because you know, State needs some more depth defensive line. You can build that up. They're coming in. I think the recruiting class will be good in that point. And, oh, by the way, the state's really got to shore up the kicking game. I mean, they, they're 17th in the nation in the polls with some really bad breakdowns in the kicking game that they've managed to survive. But against Arkansas, against Auburn, against Ole Miss coming up, you can't make those mistakes and play yourself into a better bowl. David, appreciate your time every single time, brother. Thank you. I hope that y'all found Daniel recovered on some street corner in Houston down there. Uh, yeah, he'll make it back uh, to the flagship at some point, I'm, I'm certain. Uh, and and he's, uh, he, he will come back free of his disappointment. I told him, get it out of the system before you show back up in the building. <laughs> All right, brother, well, I appreciate Congratulations it. to all the Braves fans there. I've got plenty of Braves friends and fans that are here in Starville that were following them. I can't claim to be a big Braves fan, but I'm happy for them, especially after the stupidity of the politics last spring. So congratulations to the city of Atlanta on the world championship thank you david talk to you soon man good to talk to you all right david murray again from 24 7 a lot of folks in mississippi they they wind up as cubs fans and it was really cubs or braves with the superstations wgn and then turner's deal uh and so that's how so many people um uh, in so many far-flung areas without a major league team it was cubs or braves uh, he was mentioning in the offensive line there and he's like it's even tougher to find specifically tackles now can i can i tell you one element in that and this goes back to me probably 15, 16 years, 17 years maybe. I was doing color on the, I think it was Tennessee and Clemson maybe, in a Chick-fil-A Bowl. And Charlie Whitehurst was the quarterback. And he had, and I'd watched Clemson that year, but I hadn't really paid attention to this level because now I'm doing the game. And Charlie Whitehurst would step up to the line of scrimmage. There's like 15 seconds left on the, step back, look at the sideline. Then about 10 seconds later, step up behind and take the snap. And I'm like, step up, take the ball, son, start the play. We have never asked quarterback. That was the beginning of it. That was the mustard seed of where we are now. We've never asked quarterbacks to do less. We've never put less on a quarterback than we do now. You can you can sort of massage all that and sort of mentally and like verbally in a in a helmet, uh, the speaker walk him through what he's supposed to be doing till the cuts off. The offensive tackle. There ain't no going out there and helping him. And so that is an element, at least, about what David was talking about, how it's harder to find tackles now, even in some cases, than quarterbacks, because you can help the quarterbacks tackle. Go get you some. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Continuing with the Chuck Oliver Show on a Thursday all week, all year. It's all college football. And looking around the SEC matchups this weekend, 
Um, every team you're looking at, basically everybody's – if you hadn't had your bye week by now, um, it's a little odd. But but most teams have. And so you're looking at a final kick in November. Let me give you a flyover of the Florida program right now. Dan Mullen, who had decided, you know what, uh, we already you know got hammered on the field. I'm going to set myself ablaze after the game, see how that goes. Um, Dan Mullen, as as incendiary a week as he has had, do you realize they can still finish 9-4? and four? And without very unusual things happening. Can they beat South Carolina? They better. Can they beat FSU? Yeah. Can they go to a decent enough bowl at 8-4? and four? Well, yeah, and win. Or they lose to Florida State. They just cag in Columbia this way. I mean, it could go either way. I said Purdue. I mean, Michigan State right now. They got Purdue on Saturday. I was like, they could lose to Purdue. Michigan State's 8-0. They could lose all four of their final games. So there's still a lot to uh, determine on the season. Every Wednesday, hour two, talk to a good friend of mine who you've seen him on Fox and SEC Network, Sirius XM, uh, Heisman voter, college football news. The resume's the resume. It is Russ Mitchell. Brother, how are you today? Kicking the tires, lighting the fires. Can, can I say one thing real quickly? Yeah. Go Braves. Yeah, that was pretty awesome, wasn't it? It's a, it's a good thing, you know, man. Uh, I... I remember, you know, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, mm-hmm. and I remember back when McGriff, I remember back when the Braves beat the Giants and went on and won the World Series with Smoltzy and the, and the fellas. Uh, it's been a long time, man. Dude, two and a half decades, you're telling me. Um, and for a kid who grew up living at literally every, it's been, it's been every single night since third grade. That's that's my life as a Braves fan, and whether it's the Braves or whether you're a New York Giants fan or whomever, it's one of those those moments where you look around and at first it doesn't seem real. It's like, wait a minute, I'm a champion again. Um, but it's why you get invested in sports <laughs> and in and invested for us talk because you can invest your time, you can invest your money, you can. And as you get older, it's isn't your, your time worth more than yes. your money? Yes. Yes, yes, totally. I mean, look at T. Boone's Pickens down in Oklahoma State, man. When you're, when you're like counting, and by the way, we should all live our life that way because no one knows what they're guaranteed. But, you know, uh, yeah, time is, you're looking at the clock going, I'm running out of, I'm running out yep. of seasons here, fellas. I got money. We Take it. I want, I want a title, man. <laughs> we, we need to win at least one time for the Kipper here. Uh, let's talk what's next, uh, in Baton Rouge and we'll start in that corner and kind of fight our way out. Um, they continue to, to work. They're like everybody else. They've got four games left. Um, how do you think that this finishes and when do you think that the administration moves on and says, cause it's a, it's a choir now it is fire your coach early so you can get a jump on the next guy and the early signing period. Uh, when do you think the administration actually makes something happen? Well, you know, I think they made a big mistake. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you reach a point in any organization where you need to move on from your CEO, you know, you don't let the CEO hang around for a year, you know, unless it's a amicable. And by the, unless you have a succession plan in place, right? It, this is that's not what's going on in Baton Rouge. They had to cancel practice last week yeah. during the week because they didn't have enough kids. Like, I don't even think they had to do that during the pandemic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, no, I like, mentioned what? this. I think I mentioned this last week. Maybe you and I talked what? about it. LSU is going to take the field Saturday with fewer players against Alabama than they had last year against Alabama during the pandemic. Yeah. That's, that's not possible. I mean, this, this, 
this is like the not a good situation. So what are the Tigers going to do? What's the administration going to do? You know, I, it, it depends on if they want to make a statement or if they want to get the best college football coach. You know, I say get the best college football coach, and there's there's a number of really, really good coaches out there right now, you know, from, from Mel up at uh, Sparty or from – uh, you just can go next door and get Lane Kiffin. I mean, think about Lane Kiffin with the talent, with the athletes that they have in Louisiana. If you had Lane Kiffin as your coach, <laughs> I mean, you're going to score 50 points a game. You can find defensive linemen and linebackers. You can pluck them off the tree when you're driving on I-10 in Louisiana. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be pretty much in the playoff every single year. Can I ask so you? So, how is Lane Kiffin not the right choice? He may be. Um, I've heard that, uh, and you mentioned Mel Tucker there, also James Franklin. I'll use these two as examples, um, and they're, they're perfect examples. I've already mentioned, uh, mentioned Michigan State. Sparty has Purdue Saturday. They've got Maryland. They've got Ohio State, and they got somebody else who can beat them. Um, I forget yeah. who it is. Penn State's got the same sort of thing. You could go three and one. You go zero oh and four. Um, is it? Is that going to sort of take the shine off a couple of these guys right now that have really good records? Because I don't think anybody, I don't think any team in the Big Ten is going to wind up with a really impressive record other than Ohio State. I think everybody else, two losses, three losses, four losses, and some good team like Iowa, what we're seeing happening to Iowa right now. First of all, you know, Mel, is, Mel Tucker is a great coach, and he, you know, deserves to be coaching at – I mean, Michigan State's a good team. A place a where program. they care. Let's say it. A place where yeah, they care. But oh, I don't want to say that. But uh, a, a place where it means more. You know, Michigan State's a basketball school. So, uh, and I have my friend Aaron Prowitz who would roll over in his grave if he heard me no, say yeah, that. Hang on. But, can, I, can I give you a – I don't want to follow through and steal your point, but here's the deal with me when I think Michigan State versus LSU. If I go 12-1 and one at Michigan State – I might get left out of the playoffs. If I'm 12-1 and one at LSU, I'm the number one seed. Not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. There's your difference. Yep, it, that's the difference. And that's why people move, right? That's why people move. I mean, just go ask anybody right now. At, you know, and by the way, people are so upset about the college football playoff committee leaving Cincinnati out and making a 9-0 and Oklahoma team, what were they, 7th or something like that? Oklahoma's 8th, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that was the whole purpose of the committee. The whole purpose of the committee was to not just make Oklahoma number one because they were 9-0. and It was to look at them going, this is not really – this, this is not that good of a team, y'all. I mean, the fact that they're 9-0, and like, they, they're – you know, I'll give you another nod. I don't think Alabama's the second-best team in the country. You know, and I think if you went to most Alabama fans who have become yep. used to the greatness that Alabama's had, they'd be like, yeah, you know, I mean, we're pretty much every single game, we're bad at something. Either our offensive line can't work or our secondary can't cover. And if we hit a game where two of those things both pop up in the, at the same time, we lose, like we did to A&M. You know, but, uh, you know, I, I – I think Michigan State right now is actually playing better football than 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 Alabama. Oh, I would agree with that. Um, as far and this is not 
they're not a better team, but I always say, is, where is your production in relation to your talent? If the production's more than your talent, then that's coaching and upperclassmen. If it's below, I got issues somewhere. Um, and I agree with you. Michigan State right now, they're operating about 104% of their capacity, whereas – That's a good point. Whereas Alabama's operating about 90%. That's a very good point. You know, they're much more consistent. Michigan State is much more consistent. Alabama, if everybody plays at 100%, is the better team. But they're not. They're not playing at 100% in every single game. Whereas Michigan State is playing damn close to 100% in every game. So against good good competition. So, you know, they are an efficient team. And as is often the case in a team sport, if every if, if all the cogs are operating efficiently, you can beat a team that's got more talent. Absolutely true. Can I ask you one ACC question? Oh, good God. Go ahead. Um, it's just it's 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 just in an impression, a philosophical <laughs> uh, question. Wake Forest, do you, if you polled 100 yes. fans of other ACC teams right now, yes. and you asked them Wake Forest's record, do you think they could even say, I don't know the record, but they are undefeated? Do you think most ACC fans realize the Deeks are the last uh, bastion of hope undefeated. for the ACC? And, and not just undefeated, playing really good. Oh, it's football. real! I mean, like, it's real. Fun to watch yeah. football. Like if you haven't watched a Wake Forest game, the next and you know I get it. But if you haven't, like the next time you flip through and see them on TV, stop because they're playing really fun football to watch. Very efficient, high levels. Uh, you know, high level of play, well coached. They're they're they are they are a sleeper team. I tell you the team that I'm so disappointed with coming out of the uh, coming out of the ACC is NC State. I really thought you know more. Yeah. they were yeah, and you know this is again. I love when people in August ask me my opinion. You know, I'm like I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I mean it's like it's August. I haven't seen them play yet, but based off of all the people they have coming back, based off of everything I've heard about how practice is going. I, I, I'd have to put NC State football down as a disappointment so far. Oh, I, I agree I with you. Them as a, and, and this is a funny a thing, team. you know, because it's August and we're all giving our prediction. We go back to July and do it. We're still even further out. And I remember after uh, I was in Charlotte with the Clemson-Georgia game and that next Monday I'm on – and I kept hearing people say, it's just week one. And I was like, you know what? In my mind, it, it, no, yeah, it is week one. It's one week, people. I still don't. There are programs. I just told you, Michigan State, we're eight games in. They won them all. I'm like, I'm still not sure exactly what Sparty is this year. Um, yeah. So, anyway, Russ, appreciate you, brother. We'll do it again in seven days. Hey, uh, it's November. So, that's Thanksgiving month. And I just want to say you got a lot of hungry neighbors around you. And if you have a little extra, and I know things are tight and we still have the pandemic, but if you have a little extra and you can uh, leave it at the grocery store to help out your hungry neighbors, that uh, I'm sure they would appreciate it. Russ, you are charged with mentioning that every Wednesday leading up to the day, okay? Yeah, I know. You know, it's important to me. It Going is. hungry is a difficult thing. So, you know, most basic if thing, you can help out a little. If you ain't got food, nothing else really matters, man. Absolutely. I work with the Atlanta Community yep. Food Bank here in Atlanta, and so it's the exact same thing. I appreciate you mentioning that, Russ. We'll do it again next Wednesday. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Russ Mitchell again, college football news, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. And especially this time of year, because they're like the most basic need possible. There are a lot of great places out there knocking on the door and calling and asking for a dollar or two. Um, a lot of really, really uh, um, substantive places. But if you don't have food, not a lot else matters. And so Russ, I, every year he starts bringing that up around the holidays and 
Uh, it is a fantastic message. Uh, Saturday, as a matter of fact, Wake Forest, they're on the road at North Carolina. North Carolina can win this thing by two touchdowns. Uh, but Wake Forest, it is real. And if you haven't watched Hartman, you haven't watched some of that defense. Um, if, by the way, Wake Forest is 8-0 and number, whatever, the 9 in America. 10, 9, 10. Do you know who used to play for them? Yeah, that kid Walker at Michigan State. Kenneth Walker played for them. Uh, so Wake Forest uh, doing it big, but they're at Keenan Stadium. If, you, if you've never been to Keenan Stadium, there is a, they, they talk all the time. I've mentioned this before. Uh, Keenan, it's this, it might be a poem even, walking through the pines and the stadium rises out of it. I was like, whoa, okay, this is going to be something special. Made it sound like I could be walking through like the Blair Witch Woods. No, that's not what it, There's a couple pine trees outside. It's one of the, it's kind of an overblown thing. Uh, but it is a very beautiful setting, and there are some pine trees near the stadium, but it ain't like it's described. Uh, but that's where Wake Forest will be on Saturday, just going down the road to play UNC as they try to uh, extend to 9-0 and at least continue the conversation about, uh, well, hey, is the ACC really in it? Because Pitt lost last week, and we, we gave them some credit. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, wrap up on a Wednesday next. the chuck oliver show on southern sports today everybody's scared they're going to miss out on who they want to hire you know we may have to look at something you know maybe like the pros do or something like that that really draws some hard lines on when those things can happen and when they can't because that's uh you you got gary patterson not finishing a season at that place he built man that, that ain't right lincoln riley Stumping for a pretty arm's length, cold, prickly individual in Gary Patterson. But in the coaching fraternity, I mean, you understand what it takes to get to that level. And Lincoln Riley saying, you got to be kidding me. You fired that guy? I was talking about the TCU program. Gary Patterson's been there for 21 seasons, folks. You know who's been at their program longer than Gary Patterson's been at TCU? Yeah, not many. Like you're talking Kirk Ferentz has been longer at Iowa. Um Whittingham at Utah is that right no no he took over urban um so there's like just very very like three guys and he's out you're talking about a guy who went 181 and 79 at Texas Christian I talked about how he took over a program that in the mid 90s had a swing and a miss like an 0 for 12 or 0 for 11 I guess at that point Gary Patterson what did he achieve I gave you his 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 overall record 181 and 79 I want to give you his conference record but it's doesn't mean anything chuck what do you mean how can you say that because he was in four conferences that is the trajectory of the texas christian program over just the first 12 seasons he was the head coach his first year they're in the western athletic conference that doesn't even exist anymore next year they're in conference usa that's about to not exist anymore next they went to the mountain west and in a actually you know what i take that back tcu's been in five conferences the WAC conference usa the mountain west and before the big 12 do we remember they joined the big east didn't they and then paid an exit fee to get out before they ever played a game they thought all right well we're in the mountain west we got invited to the big east i guess that's some big east doesn't exist anymore either that's something. All right, we'll join. Paid an exit fee to get out because Big 12's like, 
hey, uh, the SEC just did this thing with a couple of our members. It's difficult anyway to win any game, any game. Saturday, Kirby will beat Missouri. That won't be hard. Other than that, difficult to win any game. It becomes a bit more easy when you've been at your school in the conference a lot longer than the other coaches have been at their schools. Problem is, Gary Patterson never got there. He was at TCU for a long time, but it's the familiarity. If TCU had been in the Big 12 the entire 21 years, he would have won even more. That's what I'm saying. Be more impressed. Because everything that TCU was aware of with their opponents in the Western Athletic Conference and then Conference USA and then Mount, they kept losing all of that traction. All right, start again. Well, now we've got these other nine teams in the conference. We got them sort of gamed. We understand what they do. Yeah, well, you have a whole new conference. Enjoy. I didn't anybody mention a word about that. They competed in four different conferences. And so what Lincoln Riley's like, he built that place. He built it four times. Because you know what happened in 2000? TCU won the WAC Conference Championship. You know what happened in 2002? TCU and Patterson won Conference USA Championship. You know what then happened four times in six years? They won the Mountain West Conference Championship. They even won the Big 12 Conference Championship. You know, four different conference titles. And it, like, it makes it harder anytime you switch a conference. Like when Missouri showed up in the SEC, they were not great shakes in the Big 12. They were a good program. And they had ascended to number one for like 15 minutes and then got beat by Oklahoma in 2010, I believe, or 11. But Missouri part of how they were able to achieve what they had been in the Big 12 was the familiarity. Oh, yeah, we played Oklahoma State every year. Oh, yeah, we play Kansas State every year. When you're getting dropped into a new conference every four or five, six seasons, you got to start all over. And so that makes it even more impressive what Gary Patterson was able to do. Did you see, we talked about this a little bit uh, with Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake's not going to be the Washington coach very much longer, I don't believe. that They can't score and whatever. It's too good of a program to let wither any. But I mentioned this, what is today, Wednesday? I think I mentioned this Monday, that Jimmy Lake was asked ahead of this weekend's Oregon game um, about, you know, well, what about the offensive line matchup? What about their DB shutting down your wide receivers? And what about this, 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 this? Okay, well, what about the recruiting effects? Because y'all are bordering states. What about the recruiting effects? Jimmy Lake, head coach at Washington, asked about what will Saturday's Washington-Oregon game, what effect will it have on recruiting between the two schools? Jimmy Lake's thought, yeah, not much. Quote, our battles are really more against schools with academic prowess. Like the University of Washington, for instance, we recruit against Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go to a lot of battles toe-to-toe with those schools. So I think that's made up in, in your – he's talking about the, to the reporters. Like, what about the recruiting battles? He says, I think that's made up in your world. In our world, we battle – more academically oriented teams. That that that's what Jimmy Lake said. 
that when we get into recruiting battles, it's not really against a school like Oregon. Now, I said yesterday, I, you know, or Monday, I hadn't done any sort of deep dive into university rankings. I don't know if what he, here's what I know about schools kind of outside my footprint. I know uh, Michigan's a great school. I know Florida's supposed to be a great school, and and they weren't on the list I looked at, but they're a really good school. Um, Michigan, great. There are public universities that fall into this, and I had not heard about UW's reputation. Brother, that's on me. University of Washington most recently. I'm reading from a ranking of the best academic university in the world, the Times Higher Education. Uh, university of Washington, number 28 ranked academic institution on the planet, fourth in the United States. Oregon, they're 482 in America, and they're actually the seventh highest ranked college or university inside their own state all right my question was because everybody's like oh jimmy how could you say this you know what my response was i was like i don't know if it's right or not i need to find out if it's true first and what if it's true because you know what we don't do in 2021 we don't say stuff that's true not if it may offend someone hurt someone's feeling even if he is just reciting facts you dub Fourth best college in the United States, University of Oregon, seventh best in its own state. Truth doesn't really matter. Oh, can you believe Jimmy said it? My response was, well, let me go see if it's true. Now that I know it is, I was like, yeah, I can believe he said it. It's accurate. Wraps it up on a Wednesday, folks. Give me 22 hours. I will recharge those batteries. Be back this time tomorrow with more college football conversation right here on the Chuck Oliver Show.